Thank you. you. May be seated. I'm glad you're here. Um, Bruce is uh, in uh, the hot country, <laughs> and so I'm glad that we didn't have to go. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> he will be, be back next Sunday. Today, I'm sorry you stuck with me. <laughs> I'd like to talk with you this morning. I've entitled this uh, sermon, What in the World Was I Thinking? On October the 28th, 1999, a Learjet left Orlando, Florida. Six people were on board, two pilots and four passengers. They leveled off above 30,000 feet at a speed of 600 miles an hour. The flight plan was that they fly um, north to Gainesville and then turn west to Dallas. When they didn't make their turn west, two F-16s followed and caught them and came within 50 feet of them and radioed back that it structurally the plane looked like it was fine but they couldn't see inside because the windows were all iced over. The plane flew 1,400 miles and crashed in a grassy field as the F-16 pilots looked on helplessly. All six passengers or all six people were killed. The most famous of those was Payne Stewart, a professional golfer who had just recently won the U.S. Open. Standing on the ground, if you saw that plane flying over, you would not have known that it was off course. And matter of fact, if you're like me, I'd have probably envied that they were traveling in such style. But something desperately wrong was going on in that plane. Lon and I had been on a trip and we were returning home and we listened on our car radio to the whole thing unfold until it Christ. Now, this is a word picture. Externally, we may look like we've got it all together and that we're godly, spiritual Christians. But inside, there could be a crisis going on. As a matter of fact, it would probably scare most of us if we thought someone had video videotaped our thoughts this past week and were showing them on the monitor this morning. We may project that we've got it all together, but inside there are petty, self-serving thoughts. We're critical. We struggle with impure sexual thoughts. We cut ethical corners. We may be insensitive and impatient at our home. I, if you're like me, dads, you may check out when your wife's talking mentally. <laughs> You, or you can see her, you can hear her, but you're not there. 
You may feel that your family uh, is kind of an interruption instead of an opportunity to minister the grace of God. The most powerful and private arena in our life is our thought life. You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. I want us to talk this morning about steps to a healthy thought life. But first, I'd like for us to thank God for our wonderful mind and the incredible, amazing mind that God has created and given us sets us far apart from animals or any other creation. God has given us a soul, a mind. We can actually have a relationship with God. Isn't that incredible? We have the ability to reason, to have faith, to love, to think. Our brain began to develop at the fifth week of conception. Neuroscientists say that our brain has 100 billion neurons, and each neuron has a 1,000 connectors. Each connector is capable of, capable of 200 calculations per second. Wow, you got a good mind. We can learn, we can remember. Well, I used to could. <laughs> we have an awesome God, creator, designer. Our mind is our command center for what we do, how we spend our time, how we spend our money. Our mind is powerful. It, did you know your mind can even cause a disability? Tim LaHaye, Dr. Tim LaHaye, in his book on depression, says that 95% of our depression is caused by our thinking, self-pity. Your mind, your emotions can uh, incapacitate you. Victor Frankl was a prisoner in, in a concentration camp in World War II. They took his money, they took his clothes, they took his wedding ring, they tortured him. He told those who were torturing him, you can take everything from me except my ability to choose how I respond to you. And he chose to love them. So, the point is, I am what I think. You are what you think. Your thought life is a reflection of who you are. There's a scripture in Psalm, I mean, in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, in the King James Version, it says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In the uh, scripture reading that we usually use here, uh, 
Um, it puts it this way. It says, for he is like one who is inwardly calculating. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart's not with you. He's inwardly calculating what he can get out of you. How can I uh, make the most of this relationship? What can I get from this person? And so we think, well, I'll butter them up. I'll brag on them. I'll do nice things for them. Or as it puts it there, eat and drink, he says. But his heart is not with you. Or he's saying one thing, but he's thinking something else. His heart is not with you. And so the Bible says you are what you think. It's not what the you, people see on the outside. It's what we're thinking in here that really is what we're like. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 19 says, as in water, face reflects face. Or we'd say, you look in the mirror and you see your face. So the heart of man reflects the man. We are what we are inside. We, we are what we think. And we do what we think. Our thoughts govern our actions. If a man has an affair and destroys his family, someone might say, how could that have happened so quickly? But it didn't happen quickly. It started with a thought, an inappropriate thought. When you hear about a plane crash on the news and so many people were killed, they always say, we're going to recover the black box because the black box recording of what was going on inside the plane before it, it crashed. <clears throat> Our uh, mind is, is that black box that is everything that we are thinking is what we are. Someone does something great or, or achieves a, a goal. And um, if you're from Texas, we used to say, he set his mind to it and he did it. He set his mind to it. Uh, it we can do anything we set our mind to, we say. Uh, your vision drives your actions. Walt Disney died before he completed Disney World in Orlando, Florida. One of the workers said it's a shame that he never saw Disney World finished. Another worker said, oh, but he did see it finished. It was in his mind long before it was in Orlando. So our thoughts govern our actions. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, Keep your heart for with, uh, with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Watch closely. Don't let your thoughts be on the wrong thing, for out of it comes your life. In the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, Jesus put it this way, 
Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If we speak angry words, it's a reflection of our heart. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 32 Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. If someone only talks about themselves, it's a reflection of the pride in our heart. We say, he's eat up with himself. Have you noticed that in the political speeches lately? Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. By pride comes nothing but strife. Uh, thoughts reflect our self-image also. A woman may say, well, I'm just a housewife. She could say, I'm the CEO of our family business. I'm a domestic goddess. <laughs> I'm a household engineer. And she is. But you see how our thoughts show our self-image. God was talking to Joshua about success or failure. And he said this in Joshua chapter 1, or verse 8. This book of the law, speaking about God's word, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For, when you <clears throat> for then it will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. There's a direct link between your life being truly successful and you internalizing the truth in the Word of God. Your thoughts are like a train track. Your actions are like the locomotive. The locomotive follows the track that the thoughts lay down. Jesus was talking about the greatest commandment of all, and he said, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love God with all your mind. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people were commanded to build a tabernacle. This was a place that God met with them, and they came and worshiped God. It had two rooms separated. Uh, the front room was the holy place separated by a veil, then the behind the veil was the holy of holies. And the Shekinah glory of God literally came down and dwelt there in that holy of holies. No one was to ever enter that holy of holies except the high priest. And he could only go in there once a year on the Day of Atonement. Traditional Jewish history says that they would tie a rope around the high priest's leg because they were so concerned that he would go into the Holy of Holies in God's presence and he would die and no one dared go in and pull him out. They tied a rope to pull him out. But the, the New Testament says 
that the Holy Spirit of God, when you repent of your sins, open your heart to Jesus Christ, give him your life, trust him as your Savior because he died for you on the cross and suffered for our sins and rose from the dead and he is the Savior that God provided for us that we could be saved from our sins. When you put your faith in him and invite him into your hearted life, the Spirit of Christ comes and lives within you. That is your holy of holies. That is where God, your mind, is where God lives. We say in your heart. In the New Testament, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it puts it this way. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Who you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body, in your mind. We are to dedicate our mind to God and to his purpose and meet with him there. I think Jesus was referring to this principle in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, we've talked about thanking God for our mind. Let's now talk about the fact that Satan will try to capture your mind. In the spiritual realm, there's a battle going on. Just as certain as there's a God, there's a devil. Satan. And Satan loves to destroy, to twist, to pervert, to turn things into evil that God has created. Now, every good thing that we have is a gift of God. James chapter 1 and verse 17 says, Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variables nor shadow of change. God says everything that we have that's any good came from God. But Satan wants to mess that up. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, it warns us, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We wrestle against Satan and all his forces. So, Satan would like for us, instead of drawing close to God in our minds, to be distracted with the good things that God has given us and to set our hearts and minds on things that God gave us instead of on God himself. For instance, one of the good gifts that God gives a man and his wife is sexual intimacy. Within the boundaries of marriage, that intimacy is wonderful. 
But Satan will try to pervert and destroy and distort people's lives by using that. But the battle is in the mind. Each day, we're bombarded with images, with uh, commercials, with television programs, uh, with billboards, with magazines, with books. Satan is after your mind. Uh, they, the companies wouldn't spend a million dollars at the Super Bowl for a 30-minute uh, commercial if they didn't work. But the stakes are higher than what kind of car you drive or what kind of soft drink you buy. Your thoughts determine whether you accomplish God's purpose for your life or you live your life in trivial pursuit and sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Our goal should be to capture every thought and obey Christ. The greatest battle is fought in our mind. Satan uses thoughts also to, to haunt you, haunt you with, with bringing up uh, past experiences that were wrong or conflicts or sin to try to tell you, look what you did, look what you said, look what, look what the thoughts that you had. You could never be right with God. You, but God says when we get saved, God forgives us of our sins and cleanses us and forgets our sins. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Psalms 103 and verse 10 to 12 puts it this way. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgression from us. When, when we repent of our sins, God puts those away, never to remember them again. Say, well, God knows everything, doesn't he? Yes, but God's divine, and he can choose to forget. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 17 says, For he has cast all my sins behind his back. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12 says, I will remember their sins no more. Jesus specializes 
and taking messed up hearts, messed up minds, messed up lives, and changing them into a trophy of God's grace. But we should not forget that even though we're, we've been saved, the, the battle's still on, folks. You're still going to struggle with thoughts and sin and temptation. So God wants us to learn how to overcome sin and to have a victorious Christian life. When we get saved, we become a new person. Christ's spirit moves within our heart or in our mind. We still live, though, in a sinful world. We still live in a sinful body. We're still going to be tempted. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15 says this. But every person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Did you know you could be here at church? You could be listening to a sermon. Or you could be singing like we were earlier. And Satan put a, a, a wicked, ungodly thought in your mind. But you don't have to let it stay there. You don't let, have to let that thought continue. It's not sinful, it's not sinful to be tempted. It's not sinful to have a, a wicked thought. If you put that thought out of your mind, immediately it won't have any power over you. But if you let that thought stay, combined with other thoughts, it will enslave you. A piece of twine is weak and can be broken easily. But if you weave a lot of pieces of twine together, it will make a rope that can strangle you and hang you. So the third thing this morning is the power to change. Now you may feel like you're helpless and powerless to change. Good news is God has the answer. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Step one, present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual worship. Next, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, are you listening? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you by testing may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God is saying there is a way to renew your mind. God's Word will renew your mind. God's Word has the power to change you. It does not say that God will change you by some emotional experience 
or by joining the church or by trying harder or by even getting an, an accountability partner. God says to change, we must change our thinking. There in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it talks, us about, talks about renewing your mind to change your habits. You must let the Holy Spirit of God rewire your thinking with the Word of God. Now, discipline and willpower are important, but they're not sufficient. You must retrain your mind with godly thoughts. We are helpless to transform our lives without changing our thoughts. It's one of the reasons it's so important to come to church and hear the Word of God and sing His praises. This is another reason it's so important that we're in a small group and get together and study the Word of God together. It's another reason it, why it's so important for us to read the Bible every day and spend time with God and let Him put the, 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 His Word, His principles in our life. We need to stop feeding our, our minds with harmful thoughts. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15 to 17 put it this way, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with the desires but whosoever does the will of God abides forever. One of the things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 28, he says, But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery is not just a physical act. It starts in our mind. I've been asked, what if I see a woman that's not dressed properly? Is that sinful? No, if you uh, are going down the street in your neighborhood and uh, a beautiful woman is sunbathing in a bikini and you pass by and see her, that's not sinful. But if you drive around the block until you run out of gas, <laughs> the very next verse after that verse 28, Jesus talks about taking drastic measures to get away from temptation, to not let uh, inappropriate, ungodly desires or, or thoughts stay in our mind. And he puts it this way in Matthew 5, 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. 
It's better for you to lose one member of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Now, is this literal? Does God say, tear your eye out? No, God is illustrating how important it is to take drastic steps to stay away from, stay out of the situation where Satan can tempt you. And when you, he puts a thought in your mind, you immediately get it out of there. You watch what you think. You stop that before it becomes sin. If you're watching videos or internet pornography or reading books or magazines that are, that are wrong or inappropriate, then God says, stop it. Quit it. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, abstain from every form of evil. Thoughts, impure thoughts, have the power to put you in bondage and destroy your life. There's something, uh, there's a magnetic seeming like pull from those kind of thoughts to draw you back to that way of thinking. You may be thinking, well, I can handle it. It doesn't bother me. It's harmless. Or, well, this is the last time I'm going to get involved in that. You're kidding yourself. Evil thoughts have a price tag that you cannot afford. So, start feeding your mind with helpful thoughts, godly thoughts. Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, and he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. <clears throat> think on positive things instead of the negative things. Think on encouraging things instead of things that will depress you. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13 says, A glad heart makes a cheerful face. But, a, but by sorrow of heart, the spirit is crushed. Don't sit around and think about things that you've lost. Praise God for what you've got left. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 15 says, All the days of the afflicted are evil, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a, a crushed spirit dries up the bones. It's kind of like the cartoon movie Inside Out, where anger and sadness were trying to put things into this girl's mind, and joy kept trying to put joy into her mind. 
many of you have seen that movie? Some of y'all are not very educated. <laughs> Some of y'all are sinners like me. I've been there. But what, what, what the movie is all about is you're changed from inside out. We change our life, our habits, by our thoughts internalize God's word, internalize God's truth, Scripture will change your life. When the battle of the moment is important, the moment Satan puts an evil thought in your mind is critical. Don't let it linger. Don't let it stay there or you cross the line. Put it out and think, as Paul said, truth and righteousness and holiness. Ask God to help you. This is so important. As soon as Satan tempts you, ask God to, to deliver you. Help me. Get me away from this. Watch the right kind of television, movies, videos. Read the right kind of books. Read your Bible. Spend time alone with God. Now, in conclusion, the book of Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 13 says, Whoever conceal, conceals his transgression will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsaken, forsakes them will obtain mercy. Would you read that with me? Whoever conceals his transgression will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that we don't have to let sin stay in our life. That if we confess it, and agree with you that it's wrong. If we repent of it, you will forgive and cleanse. And you'll put that sin as far as east from the west. You'll put it behind your back never to see it again. Lord, I pray that in just a moment when we stop and pause, give chance to pray. I pray that all over this room that we will take this opportunity to confess our wrong thoughts and words and actions that you may cleanse us. Lord, if there's somebody here that is not saved, Lord, before I got saved, I didn't have a ghost of a chance to do what is right. But when I opened my heart to Christ and put my faith in Him, gave my life to Him, He came into my life. And through Your Word and through Your Spirit, by Your grace, I can grow spiritually. 
and do what pleases you. Now, Lord, help us to do business with you. I'm going to just stop here for a moment. You take time to pray. If you're not saved, call on Christ to be your Savior. He'll come into your life. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. In Jesus' name. questions about what you just heard, please call our church office at 714-848-5511. If you are nearby next Sunday, we have services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. Visitors are always welcome at Crosspoint, and we hope you'll choose to worship with us when you're near. Thanks.